Hey, welcome back. It's time for the Beacon Flash. The one show, the only show to shine a light on the future of enterprise wealth management. Brought to you by Beacon Strategies, LLC. From our studios here at the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center. With our guest today, one of the most innovative thinkers in the wealth management business, Tony Mazzali, CEO, CG Financial Services. So let's throw the switch, turn on the spotlight, and get started with our host, Chip Kisper. Tony, welcome to the Beacon Flash podcast. We are so excited to have you. Why don't you do a uh, quick little intro on on yourself, and then uh, you know we can kind of dig into some questions. Great. Thanks, Chip. I, uh, I appreciate the opportunity to come meet with yourself and Paul here today. Uh, you know, my name is Tony Mazzelli. I'm Chief Executive Officer, CG Financial Services. Uh, I've been working in the wealth management industry now for, well, seems like quite a while, but it's close to 30 years. My experience in the industry started, I came in to this business intending to be in the legal profession, but took a turn uh, coming into business law is what I thought. But Wanted to answer an ad for finance and never look back. And it's been probably the best decision I ever made in my in my life. And and uh, it's been exciting and challenging and rewarding all in the same. You know, starting a firm and running a firm through time has been uh, rewarding, exciting the whole way. So it's been something that I've really loved all the way through. That's awesome. You know, Tony, you and I have gotten to know each other over the last couple of years. So grateful to have you as part of our community and you've become a a good friend. I love your perspective on how you're looking at the industry and how you're looking at wealth management, how you look at serving the customer. So why don't we just start really broad right now? What are a handful of things that you're thinking about today as A, you're serving your customers and B, you're looking at your business? You know, I'm seeing right now, and when we're looking at serving our customers, is to being able to capture the inflection point that seems to be, you know, we're at the cusp of from a customer perspective is really listening and watching the the time in which post-pandemic, I think that people are going through in their personal lives and what we're hearing from our customers that there's been a change health-wise and their health conscience, their experiences through the last several years, and really acknowledgement that their lives have come and taken a new meaning and really a prioritization of how they're going to utilize and prioritize their capital. And it's incumbent upon us to make sure that we stay ahead of what their priorities, objectives, goals, needs, wants, wishes are, and make sure we stay in front of that and, and capture that in their overall plans and objectives. And as you know from our discussions, is really making sure that we incorporate that with technology and stay really in tune with how we stay you know, really in the moment with those customers and make it easy for them to make plans for it. That's the challenge is because this is, this is happening real time in front of our eyes. So we haven't been able to, you know, really adapt and get time to catch up. So it, it's really been on the fly that we've had to make these adjustments. So in one way, it's exciting because it's happening fast. But on the other hand, it's well, fintech and the industry and all this is going on. We've got this kind of collision of several industry changes that are that are prompting this the speed of change. So it's really a um, you know a turning point I see in the industry. You know, it's fascinating to me because I think my first job was with Shearson Lehman and I was cold calling. Right? I was dialing for dollars. And it's amazing to see how really the sophistication, the needs and the services have changed since that time. 
and also the role of the financial person. It used to be the stockbroker, right? And now we really have some sophisticated thinking in terms of how customers want to be served and their expectations almost as a financial coach. Are you seeing changes in the expectations that your customers have of the things that you're doing, of the services they want from you? Absolutely. It's not only the needs and the changes, but the delivery, the onboarding, the touch, and the speed at which they want it. I've been in a number of onboarding meetings and I mean, the pace at which they want the answer, right? And to be able to touch their hot points is a different, completely different onboard now because they come in with their their hot button issues right now. And, and a lot of it's about how quickly do I get answers to the experience items that I want? Whereas before it was, you know, it was kind of a quick, you know, throw the problems at them and then let them know that you've got the answers. Well, that, that solution sets not, that's not the, you know, the most successful anymore. And, you know, in a skill set, even because I spend a lot of time with new advisor development and leadership development and, you know, that old model of grit, hard work and roll your sleeves up, it takes a much more polished skill set from advisor development today, you know, from a leadership perspective, that is a new framework in developing for our leaders for tomorrow uh, that, again, we're working with on the fly. So it hits multiple tiers of the organization. Um, that has got to be thought through, you know, through the different rooms of the office and development. So you bring up a terrific point in terms of leadership, being able to mentor and grow kind of that next gen, right? So what are some of the things you're really working on to do that and to lift them up? You know, we've had to have in our organization because we've had this, as you know, you know, the data that the aging population of kind of the advisor people in the office that were the the past growers, right, that brought the organization to the current state. And then the next gen that are in here that are the ones that are going to carry it forward. And we've had to have, you know, a total awakening of the new world. And, you know, I think that our existing people have had that awakening, but they don't know exactly how to bring that next group in, right? So we've had to have an outside impetus to help kind of give us some guidance on how that transition occurs. But yet we have to be the implementers. My experience anyway is consultants are great at being an impetus of ideas, but they can't, in my experience, be your implementers. You still have to be the boots on the ground to do the implementation. I haven't yet found where they can be the the complete implementers. We had to adopt that. And our management team had to take that and then move it forward. So we had to incorporate that into our management structure and we still use them to guide that, right, in the idea phase, because as you know, habits don't change that easily. <laughs> so they haven't been able to completely step out. So we still use the outside consulting to kind of keep guiding that framework. So we use some outside leadership coaching um, to maintain that at our at our new advisor development level. We built an, in, an infrastructure that will continue to be guided there, which meant that we had to say to ourselves, no, we aren't the best people to continue doing that. And we had to move that up you know, our skill set up the ladder. We had to create another tranche where we developed a mid-level management training program as well. Acknowledge that we had to create another tranche of, you know, below senior management where we had to kind of build into the organizational structure, right? Look at the org chart. Do all these things that move from a practice mentality to a full-on business mentality. And that was another epiphany that didn't occur. Interesting. So as you're going through all this and you're educating people, you got all this fintech that's coming down the pipe, right? And you and I work a lot on this, but do you see fintech 
changing the nature of the relationship that you have with your prospects and customers. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's, you know, you've heard me use the analogy that once you, you can't nibble at this apple and we, you know, we thought we could nibble. This is the naivety that probably in our practice hat, right? Still thinking that we were running a practice, but once you put that business mentality hat on and once you step into that suit completely and fully adopt that operational efficiency, you're all, you're either all in or you're not in. I mean, there's just no way to be half in. And then that means you have to be in the fintech world. I mean, because that's, that's, there's only one speed of that river. And right now it's running fast. So, you know, that's been my experience anyway. And it's just coming at a pace that you have to be submitted to or else then you just better tie in with someone that is, that's got the answer, right? So we've adopted that mentality that we are going to combine our growth strategy with an operationally efficient strategy, which is combined with a good, solid fintech solution. And that's why we incorporated an outside consultant to help assist with that. Tony, if we look at how you're running your business, right, where do you see tech giving a lift to that customer relationship? Where do you see fintech really stepping in and and being a game changer, right? So it used to be, hey, we'll manage your money. And then when, you know, folks were getting a little bit more progressive, it's, hey, we'll run a portfolio for you. We'll rebalance it once quarter and we'll send you a quarterly statement. And then also, hey, you're going to get your custodial or clearing statement, whatever that may be. What's that look like now? What's the expectation of the customer for staying informed? being communicated with? Well, I mean, to a certain extent, the pace has been set, right? We don't, to a certain extent, get to set the pace. Others have set it, meaning it's real time, right? So the customer has had the expectation set for them that others have set they want access to their information, broad set of data points about them that they want to be able to justify because it's available to them in other places, right? And they want it when they want it, whether they wake up in the middle of the night, wake up in the morning, at work, you have to make it available to them and then they want to be able to personalize it. So can they personalize it or limit it to their desire? And of course, we want to personalize it to their objectives, needs, the important things that we think that are pertinent to their their objectives, goals, needs, wants, values, that we think that are important to their journey, their CX, what they tell us. They're really part of their persona that we get to be personal with them about. How do we get to that? That's what we have to use the tech to be efficient with. And that has to be available no matter who they talk to in our organization and no matter when and how they get it. And to a certain degree, that expectation has already been set. So our delivery of it is really not an option. It's non-negotiable. It's not like we have a stake in that hand to negotiate it. It's kind of what the client either currently or very soon is going to come in my, in my position is going to come to us to demand. It's an ante to the game that they just haven't necessarily called on us yet. So in our business framework, we have to be able to deliver that and we have to be able to, the, the clock is ticking on when can we do that? That's what's pushing this demand on us. Well, and I think, you know, you look at the Robin Hoods, you look at the publics, they're driving this digital user experience within the financial and wealth framework, which I find is absolutely fascinating. If we take what you just said, which I think is absolutely fascinating, I believe it 100%, and we look at 
the average demographic of advisors out in the marketplace, right? And you have invested in your business. You've grown your business. What are those advisors that are out there that have built, you know, they built a decent book, but they don't have the money to truly invest in a lot of the things we're talking about, the balance of needed knee and fintech. What happens? Well, and that that's what's going so now you've pointed out a another interesting, you know, kind of collision happening in the industry, right? So we have an age collision, which is the average age of advisor that has somewhat been fed by a PE private equity component that's been coming in to feed that, but that's been slowing down now with the drop in the market, the raising, the multiple expansions that have happened over the years, and then now the rising of interest rates, right? So there's been a reduction in appetite with that recently. We'll see where it continues. And then there's also a push with people, right? We've always had a shortage of people demand. That's going to get interesting again here shortly. But then, you know, that collision is happening with this fintech collision, with the demand on client collision, with the operational efficiency demand. So you have all these collisions happening at simultaneously. And then you have this really committed, medium-sized firm that has been doing a great job at the practice level, dedicated to the independence to their client, the advice to their client, and asking themselves, where do we fit in? And how do I stay relevant, right? And where does my spot fit for where our firm, that is going to be, where do they tie in? And that's where they're going to have a decision to make. Do I move into a larger firm? Do I make a minority affiliation with another firm? Someone we have, we have an arm that, that offers something like that. Others do as well, but that's where these options are starting to flesh out now. Do I tie in with another firm that has an operational fix for me that solves some of these, these large scale operational and or technology, these high dollar high fix problems. Because the real issue is, is we all grew up where we had, we were in a fragmented industry that we had good margins that didn't demand these big infrastructure problems that now are demanded on us that didn't require us to run big business mentality that we can't afford to do anymore. And now we have to. Do you think the business is harder? Absolutely. Now than it was 10, 20 years ago. Well, I think you put the key word on it. We ran practices before. Now we have to run businesses. And that's the difference. See, we got away with running practices and we didn't have to run businesses. And today you can't afford to just run practices. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because as we, the research that we see, we really see the desire of the investor customer wanting to be able to pull together their risk, their retirement wealth, and their cash flow, banking. We're starting to see that really come together, those three legs of the stool. And as you talked about the infrastructure, it's quite extensive. And, you know, personally, if I were an advisor kind of sitting in that 55 to 60 year old area, I made a good living for a while. And suddenly I had to go put a lot of effort in. I'm kind of saying, do I just want to sell my practice or what do I do? Right. So I think your point's spot on. And, and, you know, when we look at what, how, recruiting is going today. Uh, we see a change there. We are also looking at, hey, where's succession planning going, right? I think this is an area that a few firms do a decent job of it, but by and large, it's an untapped area for a lot of firms at this point in time. So it's, it's fascinating to me 
to look at this question. I think, you know, your, your comments are fabulous. You've done it. You know it. When you look at who's doing a good job out in the industry, um, when we look at fintechs, what are a couple names you think about? I'm really, you know, very interested in Orion. I like what they've done because of their software, their software, their technology. They've they've made it adaptable, yet they've stayed on the software and user ability side. I really like what Redtail's done. Um, they've stayed very true to the space. Very interested in some of the holistic plan for the functionality for the space as well. I really like some of the micro solutions, like the holistic plans on the planning side, because they've they've spit the specific needs of what the, the problems are in the industry. I think, you know, what happened was early on, we had some very large enterprise solutions that went real big and then went right to data, right? And they, they, became, they became focused on the data side. They almost got ensconced with data and they forgot about the software. And then now you, you're, you're seeing some really good micro software solutions that are solving the software needs on a small scale, and it's not so much data focused. Um, so it's, in, in, you know, they're fragmented because they don't have the, the real data side, but it's really getting exciting again because they're solving some of the, some of the technical needs that the, the big enterprise solutions don't solve on the technical side, but it forces you in the position to solve your data side, which right. is part of the, part of the infrastructure stuff that we got to fix, right? So it's, it, it goes in the reverse order. Right. If you got the data side figured out yourself, then you can fix the, you know, the technical side. So anyway, it is really a fast moving time right now. And, uh, you know, that's where I think one of the other big challenges that I see is where this, this vendor consolidation is a, is a real kind of ball to keep your eye on going forward. I mean, between the custodial consolidation that's happened and, you know, could happen more, uh, as well as software. We went through 20 years with a custodian and, and then all of a sudden we had it at it down and narrowed down and we didn't have to make any major shifts. And now we contemplate maybe the next three to five years having, you know, these vendor consolidations, see two, three, four of them. Or come together. Right. So an example of that would be Orion and Red Tail. They've yeah. come together now. So yeah. two questions. So uh, Tony, you're an industry veteran. You've done this a while right now. What are a couple items or one that are keeping you up at night? What are you thinking about? What, you know, when you wake up, what worries you? That consolidation factor is one. I started in the career side of the business, got good training from a good company, um, learned the business there, paid for my tuition, I call it, at the career company, stepped out and then, you know, became a fiduciary and, and did that, felt compelled with that. Yet, are we evolving back into that? Or at some point, are we going to evolve back into that captured environment? I don't know. I mean, you know, is it all, is it all going to end up in some form of captured environment again? Is it all getting, we went from, you know, being all career to fragmented to going back into a consolidated captured environment. Is that the way it's going to consolidate back? That's a concerning effort because at one point it was very independent. So that's a concern. Um, the, the impact of PE on the market, the evolution of digital, is that really a good thing to the consumer? Is that really what they want? <clears throat> I mean, I look at the impact right now of the pandemic, of the needs of the consumer changing so fast. How does digital keep up with that? Right. You know, how does, they, how does it address? I look at what our consumers, no matter what their level of wealth is right now, the amount of handholding in, the, in this market, the changing market, how does that address it? 
I know what we're doing to adapt to the client changes and the market changes and the health changes and what's going on with clients' minds right now. How does digital stay up with that? I don't know. I really don't. You know, those are some, those are some things that, that cross my mind. Great. My last question, what makes you feel good about business right now? You know, when I see our customers and turbulent times and they still come in and are a little worried when they walk in the door and they feel good when they leave. And I still really get a lot of juice from bringing, seeing our young people that come into the career. I still am excited. I mean, I look at them and I say that, you know, that I've said this all throughout my career and that's why I look at this industry and I'm thankful I grabbed onto it because as I say to my group, I said, if you sat down with 10 other professionals at dinner and complained and had them all complain about their jobs and through their careers in the middle of the table, you better grab yours fast because you got the best career in the business. Don't let them grab yours because this is the best, you know, best career choice you could make because it's got more opportunity than any other one. Tony, what a great conversation. Thanks for taking a few minutes with us uh, on the Beacon Flash. You know, I look forward to watching what you guys do and helping you kind of move forward. Thank you. Thank you.